Today's episode is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. The Master of Arts Strategic Leadership Concentration at Ozark is for those who are called to lead in a variety of Christian contexts, from churches to nonprofits to parachurch organizations. The Strategic Leadership Concentration partners with you to dive into God's Word to lead God's people across generations, across cultures, and into God's future. So what's next? Learn more and apply for free at occ.edu masters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and we're continuing to work our way down through Navigators Church Ministries track sessions from last year's forum. This episode features Navigators leader, Dane Alfin, talking to us about a very important topic for discipleship, conflict. I just love his advice on giving people time and space to really wrestle with the things of God as they're hearing them for the first time or maybe hearing them for the 50th time. We plant the seeds, God waters and grows. Sometimes we get to see the fruit growing and sometimes we don't. But we got to be faithful in sowing those seeds anyways, whether we're the first ones to plant the seed or the very last one that gets to actually see the fruit develop in that person. Either way, we've got to be faithful in planting these seeds with people. So I hope this episode will encourage you in your walk as you're discipling people in your circles. Let's jump in and hear from Dane Offen with Navigators. Hey, welcome everybody. Come on in and uh, we're going to get started and uh, we are glad you are here. So uh, my name is Dane Alfin and uh, always fun to be with pastors and uh, church leaders and uh, I serve with the Navigator Church Ministries. Uh, I'm the executive director for them and work with uh, Derek is our guy in Colorado Springs. I'm up in Akron, Ohio. Uh, home of LeBron James and everybody, you had to use Akron to get here because you got it here on tires, so um, kind of fun. But uh, hey, let me open up with a word of prayer and uh, we'll jump into our topic. So, oh, thank you. Father, thanks for your absolute goodness. Um, Father, that you are a shelter for each of us, that you are our strength. Um that you are our light, and Father, you protect us, and you go before us, um, Father, and, and you have goodness and righteousness and so much in store for us. Father, today, just right now, in the busyness of our hearts, Father, could we just attune ourselves to you and be in your presence? We absolutely need it. Uh, it is the most important thing for us to be right there with you and enjoying you and honoring you, and so... As we talk and think, Father, would that uh, would that be the tenor of, of our conversations? And uh, would you draw each of us because of this time, even even right now, just to you? Uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, you know, it shouldn't be that hard, right? Um, kind of having deep relationships, having a, a sense that we can put this thing together. Uh you know, it shouldn't be so hard, but it, man, it is. Um, but, you know, even listen to Jim yesterday and echoed so many pastors that we work with. You know, they, it, there's, there's such a battle because wherever you land on the vax, non-vax, mask, non-mask, 
uh, you know, it's given us like one more thing to fight about. And, and it's not like we have, it's not like we don't already have enough stuff to fight about. And this just, just is added. It's almost, you know, it's like almost unfair that it's just piled up on us. And, uh, you know, I was in Psalm 27, you know, and Psalm 27 is such a beautiful psalm. You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And when the enemy stands up against me, you know, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be fearful. And, and I think there's been even a sense of a, of a mass army kind of pushing and fighting, beating up on us. You know, my, my own church had, had a very, very difficult conflict between two pastors. And just, and my daughter works there, and I just attend, and, and it's just hard. Because uh, when conflict happens, it really involves everybody, right? You know, around the table, you have one person acting like a jerk. It, it just, it, it just, it hurts. Uh, it hurts everybody. And so, uh, you know, we really are in the midst of that. And so, um, we're going to be talking today about, you know, what are some ways that we can take that on how can we take smart steps right where we're at right now and uh and and i would tell you that uh, that we will come up with the answers i i just hope to kind of nudge us and around your tables that you guys have great conversations together so you know uh there's really uh a couple challenges in this whole idea of conflict and having resilient relationships you know, in Mark uh, chapter 9, Mark, I love the gospel of Mark because I think as I've read it with the lens of discipleship and disciple making, I have been amazed at how much Mark pushes it so much harder than the other. Maybe it's just because I like the gospel of Mark. But, you know, uh, in chapter 9 of, of uh, Mark, down at 33, you know, and they came to Capernaum and <laughs> and they went into a house and you know, and then he asked him, hey, what were you discussing along the way? And, you know, what they're discussing along the way was like, who's who's the big deal? Like, who's, you know, who's the kahuna? Who's the guy that's got it all together? And, um, it, you know, you think, gosh, uh, to kind of have those conversations. But we do, right? That's just That is like human nature to want to lift ourselves up. Uh, and it's so divisive. Um, you know, and, and I would say you probably sense that many times you're going back to church or coming from a, a situation that's already in your head. You're like, oh, guys, what do I do about this, about this situation? Um, but, you know, to make matters worth, uh, worse, you just change, turn the page. And in chapter 10, and, and the gospel Mark does this. There's like these repeats of like, man, they just didn't get it. Chapter 10 James and John go to him and they're like, hey, uh, you know, we want you to do whatever we want you to do for us. So like, you know, um, you know, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And you kind of go, wow, like that's just that is so wrong. And it's right on the heels of this other one. So it, it's like these issues of conflict and struggle and lack of unity, you know, it's just so much. Jesus faced it. He faced it all the time. Uh, and you and I will face it. And it, it is absolutely disappointing uh, because um, some of the folks that you feel like should have it and the disciples should have had it, yet, yet they did not. Um, 
And we face that in our churches uh, in really tough ways. So what I wanted you to do right now is around your table, I want you to discuss. Um, uh, and fellas, if you want to join another table back there, that would be great because then we, then we have kind of larger tables and we can have a, maybe if you just want to move down to this one, then we have three guys at that table. That would be great. So, um, but I want you, I want you to think about two, two things. You know, what are the things that, that kind of get in the way? What are the situations, the stuff that kind of breaks us apart? That's kind of, as you have watched in your church, what are the things that has separated us and don't allow us to have that kind of that unity? Uh, the other one would be, what has been some of the verses that already you're kind of thinking about? You're going, oh my gosh, this is an important one for me to remember. So take five minutes right now around your table to discuss that. So let's pull back together again. Uh, what were some of the things that you all found that kind of kind of separated us and hurt us in our churches and in our teams? What, maybe one person from every group. Yeah, personality conflicts. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's always, and the longer you're in ministry, you realize there's going to be some people, it's just going to be oil and water. Like you're just going to miss and that, that's just, it's hard to get over that and say, okay, like, I, I'm just not going to have this, I'm going to have to be okay that we're going to, like, kind of sort of miss in uh, showing some grace. Pride. What are some other things that really hurt us kind of in our unity and... Lack of uh, trust. Yeah. Lack of trust. And how have you seen that play out? We're not as vulnerable, and we don't we don't kind of share what we should. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We want to make assumptions about motives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had one of those on the way down. You ever had one of those with your spouse? <laughs> she said, "Hey, hey, don't get me any coffee when you come home." You know, you know, you don't don't get either. You don't have to. I heard. Don't get me any coffee, and what it re what it really meant is get me something else from Nashville. <laughs> and so we were talking last night, and I said, "Hey, hey, baby, is it okay if I just got you some coffee?" Because it's like, well, sure. I just didn't want to bug you that you didn't have to, like, you didn't need to bring coffee home. So it was right there. It's just the communication is it's hard, and it's hard even in our in our marriages, right? Yeah. What else? What other things really separate us and hurt us? Clarity of purpose of the group. Oh, gosh, lack of clarity of the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, I think in discipleship and disciple making, even when you get a picture of a disciple, um, it's really hard to get everybody to, to, to figure that out. Even churches that have had kind of like, hey, this is what we're trying to build and do. You know, you elbow the guy. The, the, the proof of the pudding is you elbow the guy in the pew and say, hey, like, like what's a disciple? Uh, and most, it, like, they can't rattle it, all, it, it off. And it, it is, you know, that, that purpose is so hard fought to get everybody kind of wanting to do it. Yeah, others. Lack of knowledge and lack of. Yeah. We, we can, we can uh, uh, 
10,000 of these functions and have all kind of books and, and t-shirts. But our purpose here is learning to make disciples. Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. we approach people. So Steve, Steve, how, how would you summarize that in one or two words? Knowledge and training. So knowledge and training really hurts us. The lack of knowledge and training, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, transfer of knowledge. Yeah. Out of millions of people that I come in contact with, Christians. Yeah. How many people approach me to share the good news of Yeshua, Jesus? Yeah. I can count them on my hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't know that I'm a messianic Jew. Yeah. I could be in Judaism visiting you. Yeah. And according to your belief, I, my soul is on the road to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I talked to a pre, uh, in, in Memphis, Indiana. I had a big apostolic conference. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, do you believe in, in Yeshua, in Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're holding the Bible. Do you believe in that message? Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. not be too important. Yeah. Because you haven't shared it with me. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I yeah. think that's what we need to think yeah. about. Yeah. Practicality. Practicality. Yeah. Yeah. Others, just things that kind of separate us. Agenda. Oh my gosh, yes. Yep, agendas. I think you could put probably a list under the word clarity, you know, clarity of purpose, clarity of leadership. Yep. You know, that, that's got to be clear. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's even amazing. <laughs> it, it, even on the staff, it's hard to get the staff all to agree upon what we're trying to do. It's not just, and, and there's these concentric circles that go out and it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, uh, some folks don't, you know, even though we're saying, hey, this is the way we want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very we can be very subtle. We learn to play the game, don't we? Yeah, 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 That's Nate. I'd like to throw out, and it didn't come up in our group per se, but because of my particular circumstances, I, I, I live in two different places and I'm, so I'm involved with two different churches. One is very biblically orthodox. Yes. And the other is not. And uh, and so if you have different views of the authority of Scripture, that, yeah. that, that's going to affect things. So d different views of authority of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, last year or in 20, 2020, yeah, that was last year, uh, you know, the survey came out that discipleship.org did. And, and one of the things they really nailed on, it was kind of the state of discipleship. And uh, it was this, you know, we don't have a unanimous view or definition of what a disciple is and what disciple making is. And so those, those terms like that, the, people just kind of use them, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, multiple views. Yep. Okay, any scriptures as you're thinking uh, that have helped you in the middle of kind of building a team, kind of having a sense that we're going the right way together and we're able to kind of take care of stuff? Verse that came. Philippians 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Philippians 2 in general says. I do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Yeah. Or consider others more important than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So 
wear the mask. Don't wear the mask. <laughs> it, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Navigation. Now we're on the strong core, right? What will we need to do? No, we're we're just we're just on initial thoughts. So yeah, yeah, verses that speak to this. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, yeah. You know the think of Galatians one six, right? You know this is kind of like the the nudge of you know you who are spiritual should help those that, but do it with humility. And I and I think one of the big challenges for us as pastors, and I I'm not good at it, right? You know, it's like I didn't grow up in a family that. Conflict was good and feedback was good. It was usually just like, <laughs> you're supposed to know what you're supposed to do, and son, that just wasn't right. And it's like, okay, well, thanks, Dad. Um, so, you know, that hurts us. But, the, you know, the Galatians 1, you know, th 1 through 3, or Galatians 6, 1, 1 through 3 is, you know, you know, how do we help people get that nudge? But, you know, in those two passages that we did in, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark uh, 9, 33, and then Mark... Or ten, uh, you know, part of what Jesus was doing, and we really have to kind of see the way Jesus kind of dealt with kind of conflict and feedback that, that the disciples needed. You know, in the first one in nine, he goes right into a teaching. You know, hey, you know, first, you know, the first will be last, and you know, the, you got to be a servant. Ten, it's sort of the same thing, but it ends up on the, the great verse, you know, Mark ten forty five. you know, for even the Son of Man, you know, you think, think of Jesus saying that to those guys and how, how bad, <laughs> you know, the two guys at the front end, <laughs> after they had their petition to kind of, kind of like, oh my gosh, I am so off base. So, um, so that, that feedback that we need to, to listen and, and even think of, uh, you know, the way in John 21 that Jesus kind of corrected Peter, right? Yeah, I just think that that would have been so hard to hear that in front of all those guys. Because at that point in time, he knew his, he had blown it so badly. And then to have, you know, the resurrected Christ right before you saying, hey, feed my sheep. No, 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 no. Do you really love me? <laughs> you know, do you really love me? And... um those are the things that, you know, we will have to get more comfortable with. And, you know, you probably have stuff right now on your plate that you go, oh, my gosh, I've got to talk to this guy. <laughs> i got to talk to this person. You know, I, I have some of these feedback and correction and conflict stuff that just need to happen. I have them. You know, there's about three things i got to take care of by the end of the month. You know, it's, that's, that's life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. First Corinthians twelve thirteen, the the one body illustration. Yeah. 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 So uh, we're gonna talk about a couple things that help kind of build this this resiliency, this team that can kind of deal with conflict, um, and then and then we'll kind of talk about how you know how how do we actually go and do feedback well, and how do we do conflict well, um, and it's it's actually really funny that uh, Justin Gravin and I served together on the lead team, and it's kind of funny that that I got picked to do the conflict one because it's like. 
you know, it's just not my strong suit. And, uh, but all of us have to learn that. And, uh, um, you know, I was working with a couple pastors, um, couple years ago and I was working with them and in a coaching situation with both of them and uh, we were working through some stuff and a couple things kind of kept popping up you know you have conversations with people and you kind of go huh that's interesting and about you know a month later you hear it again you're like huh and you hear the same thing again you're like, okay well there's I, there's a there's a pattern here and I need to kind of adjust this so I I was uh, working with a guy named Bob and Bob Actually, his name has changed. Uh, but we'll just call him Bob. And I and Bob. Now we're talking. And the thing that I noticed with Bob is that, really, he had no private time with Jesus. Now, he spent plenty of time in the Word because he was a diligent preparer of his sermons. I mean, the guy knew Scripture in and out. I mean, it was not like he didn't know it. But, however, for Bob, there was never this just private time. Just he and Jesus. It was not. Pastor Bob, it was just Bob, the follower of Christ. So I talked to Bob and I said, Bob, hey, like this is something I've noticed. And I think you really need to kind of begin to think through what, you know, what's your prayer life like and what's your private time? Just the time, just your time, not time as pastor. And uh, actually Bob kind of heard it, you know, he was kind of, oh, okay. And kind of thought about it and kind of, we had a little conversation and, you know, he, he was, he was, he was beginning to wrap his head around some of those things. So it, literally it's the same week. And I, I meet with this other guy and, and this guy's name is John, we'll say. And John, he was, uh, he was getting stuck on things like, it, it, the, and I'd known him, he had met Christ uh, in my ministry years previous and I'd watched him grow in Christ. So I, I knew John. I knew him. I knew him well, but I hadn't been with him for a while. But I could see that there were some things that just weren't quite like he was missing on some things that that could really free him up and really launch him in, into more. And um, as I talked to John, uh, I say, "Hey, John, this is sort of what I'm seeing. I mean, is this is this true? Is this sort of where what you see too?" And he just completely shut down. It was like. It was like very soon we got off the phone and it was like, oh, like, like, and I, and I, I pushed it the same amount as I did with, with uh, Pastor Bob. And it was like, it was so amazing because of one conversation, we actually had a conversation and, and he actually had some good pushback. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, for John, it was like, it just kind of just vunk. Like he just couldn't deal with it. And so, you know, we need to know who we are. <laughs> and that's kind of the next section here is that, that if we don't know people well, we don't know ourselves well, you know, we, we are going to have misses like that. Because Bob, you see, he, you know, I, my daughter's like the Enneagram. They tell, my, my daughter Maggie talks about it all the time. She always wants to figure out what we are and it. But there's lots of tools like that. Myers-Briggs. I, I like to use DISC because it's just easy enough that I can help, that I can explain to somebody in about five minutes and they go, oh, okay. Well, Bob, if you know the DISC, D-I-S-C, and you can probably imagine what I am. So uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that I'm an I. You know, I is kind of playful otter type. Bob, he, he's a D. So 
you know, D is kind of a dominant line guy. Hey, tell it what it's like. Let's make a decision. Let's move on. Great guys when you have a problem <laughs> because they're, they are not unafraid to make the decision and pull the trigger. Um, so Bob, Bob could deal with it, and I could push hard, and it, Bob didn't go away from that wounded. I mean, he kind of went away, guys, this is really helpful. Thank you. Um, you know, my friend John, it, you know, he was an S, which is kind of like a Labrador retriever. Kind of want to know how everyone's doing. Like, hey, are we doing good? Are we safe? They like to move slow. It, it, they just kind of want to be with the group. And, and uh, Pastor John, he's a, he's a group's pastor. Uh, he's the guy that literally still, he gathers all his high school buddies I mean, he's the one who has the group texts and pulling everybody together. And, hey, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's Mike's birthday. Let's all say, you know, it's like, and it's years later. Um, so, so John was the S. And so, like, he wasn't ready. And I was pushing too fast. And so, uh, you know, and as an I, I like to move. I, I, I want to get I want to get going at some point in time, and it, it better be fun because if it's not fun, like man, I, I'm out of there. Uh, so, you know, we ha- part of this we really have to have a better sense if we're going to have success, helping people move together, but also at the times when we got to provide feedback and really correction, uh, we're going to have to know who we're going to have to know who they are, uh, and I'm going to have to know who I am. Uh, one of the really good things about DISC, and uh, you could use any any of the, the tests, but uh, in the second section, they do a really nice job. They have uh, each of the, the four personality types, but then in, in the last half of the report, they say, okay, because you're, say, like a, a C, uh, how are you going to react or experience people from the other quad- quadrants? And it, it, it you know... Uh, it actually really helps you to kind of have a few things that you go, okay, like if I'm talking with a D, I, I better pick up my pace a little bit. Like if I go too slow, they're going to be like, yawn it. So um, if I'm going to help people, if I'm going to help people on my team, uh, I, I've got to know where they're at. So, you know, on my team, I in NCM, uh, I have one guy who says he's an I, but I think he's really a C. I have one guy that's a C, that really competent, get the details together. And I have another guy who's an S. And so it's kind of like, at times you're kind of like trying to figure out how do we keep everybody moving together in, in the same movement. Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there.
this whole idea is knowing who you are. And it's this whole idea of emotional IQ, you know. Uh, we really have talked a bunch about that lately. Um, one of the things that's out there, uh, Ken Sandy, that we all know the conflict, you know, he wrote Peacemakers, and it's been kind of the book that, like, if you're in ministry, you have to read because it's it's just going to be up there. He has he does not work with peacemakers anymore, but he's done uh, something else, which is called relational wisdom. And relational wisdom is <laughs> the strategies of how you don't have to get to conflict. So, what are the right ways to live? What are the proper ways to conduct myself? How do I how do I understand myself well? How do I keep myself in, in check? You know, I, I have to slow down and kind of be quiet. That, that I, I need to remember that. Um, so, uh, so Ken Sandy's done, and it's, it's been very helpful because it's, it's principles and things that we need to know uh, to, to help people and, uh, and know how to live well. So, Let me go to another little story. So, you know, I, I love I love football, particularly NFL. I've grown up. You can, you know, Derek's a a uh, Denver fan. Uh, you know, it's I've been humiliated as a Browns fan all my life because of Denver crushing us. I was actually out. Do you remember the years? If you, if you know NFL, the years that the Browns and the and the and the, and Denver were fighting each other. Well, I was out in Colorado Springs one time with it, it was it was horrible, and we lost again. And it was just it was I was so wounded coming back. And uh, but you know football is a really funny thing, and, and I want to give and we all see this image, you know. The person either catches a beautiful pass, you know, on the back of the end zone, puts the two, taps the two feet down. He's got complete control of the ball. Boom, touchdown. That guy stands up. He's so pumped, right? You know, I think if any of us had that shot to do that, uh, we would be so thrilled to got to go, oh, my gosh, I did this. But here's the thing about football that's really funny, and, and it fits here with us, is that it's not just the guy who's, who put the ball over the, you know, the goal line. It's like the whole, the whole team that's out there runs and they're going crazy, right? You know, there's, you know, the, it, they have now the, the camera at the end of the end zone. So every, it's like everybody that's sort of in the play or was on the field, they're going up with the guy that just made the big play. Um, and I think that it's really interesting because, you know, wh why is that? Why does the lineman even give a rip that, at that guy scored, you know, he didn't do it. He didn't do any. I mean, he, yeah, he, he blocked, but you know, he's just a big old boy and he's, he's just pushing people. Uh, but he's just as excited about the guy that just got the ball over. See, and, and I think this really speaks to this whole idea of a compelling vision because, you know, the chance to, to win and beat somebody, everybody begins to, to feel it and sense that, man, this is what we got to do. You see, and, and unfortunately, you know, if you were to ask most of your people about your vision, you know, do they really get excited when they know that there's been a win? Like, hey, we've done something really well. You know, most of the time, people just kind of yawn, right? Like, yeah, okay, what's, what's the big deal? But, you know, it, it, it's funny because that score, right? Think of the effect uh, of everybody on the sidelines who was not, not even in the game at that point in time. Some guys, 
I mean, they're just kind of on the taxi squad. You know, they're just kind of, hey, I'm sort of here, but I'm on the sidelines with, with the guys that I would like to play with. It's, they're going crazy. But then it's the people in the stands, and then it's, you know, me at home. You know, I'm going crazy because my guy got the ball and did the right thing. And so it's that compelling vision um, that, that we need to find a way to communicate it well. Um, you know, Andy Stanley has two books that I'd really encourage you on this whole idea of kind of building this, this really compelling vision that really pulls people in, energizes people, and gets them moving down the track. So uh, if you have not read, who's read Andy Stanley's Making Vision Stick? It is, it is absolutely the, yeah, thank you. Good book? Excellent. It's excellent book. It's been out for a long time. It's not a long book. Okay, like if you're not a reader, you can get through it in an hour and a half. And I'm, I'm not a great reader. But, you know, Andy Stanley talks about five things that you need to do to build a, uh, to make vision stick. And one of them is this compelling vision. You know, is it simple? Um, and so if you have not worked through and thought through the principles that he has. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's a booklet. It's this big and about that fat, okay? It's not, uh, but the principles, the best leaders that I know of have read that and, and still use the, the basic principles in that. Uh, the other guy to read is a guy named John Cotter. John Cotter is a uh, Harvard business guy, and he wrote this book called Leading Change. And it's, in the business world, it is like, it, you know, it, it's a significant book. Now, uh, John usually writes, uh, Professor John, probably Dr. John, uh, uh, he, you know, he writes at a very high level. However, in, in this book, he writes very simply and gives you 10 strategies that need to happen. Um, and, and you almost don't need to read the whole book because it, it's intuitive enough that you kind of go, oh, of course. So let me give you a couple questions, and, and uh, some of these questions about building a uh, compelling vision have helped me, but I think these kind of come really from, uh, from a, some from John Cotter's book, but also uh, from the Andy Stanley book. So, uh, you know, the first question is, does your, does your core team really have a vision? And it doesn't have kind of like, hey, does it, is it written down? And, uh, you know, it's amazing how many pastors that I work with, they really do not have it written down. So that's number one. Uh, uh, do they remember it? Um, <laughs> I was uh, with my team in Colorado um, earlier in September, and, and uh, you know, I kind of asked a question. I said, okay, okay guys, hey, like, like what, what's our mission statement? And, uh, and these are not guys that are kind of like sort of on the team. These are guys that are leaders within our organization. And, and actually, uh, we really did not come up with it. And so, uh, you know, it's one of those kind of like aha moments, like, you know, gosh, we don't know it. Um, it you know, at my church, we have the five, the four B's. And I, I'm going to tell you, like right now, I'm going to be, I'm going to, it's going to be hard for me to remember building, belonging, becoming, and ah, I can't remember the other B. But, you know, to get folks, one, to wrestle it down on paper, but then to have it so ingrained that people know what it is. Um, it has to be repeated often and a lot. And it's, uh, we would be very embarrassed and disappointed uh, with where most of our people are uh, because they really don't know the vision. Um, and it's complicated and it's just, it's just not repeated enough. 
but I know as as a leader, it feels like, oh my gosh, do we have to go over this stuff again? I mean, it feels like, oh, like how do I talk about? You know, people are going to be like, stop talking about this. But it's it's critical because because if, if we don't know what it is, we don't remember it. It, it, we're, we're really not going to get everybody going. And that that does not make it compelling in any kind of way. If you don't know it, uh, you know, most of our folks, it, we will degrade to just coming on Sunday and throwing a few nickels in, right? It, and we all have churches like that and, and loads of people in our in our congregations that way. Um, does it move people to, to action? You know, do people actually know what they're like? And that's the compelling part. You know, why does the lineman, why is he willing to learn all the things he needs to do and who he needs to block and how he needs to block? You know, it's these guys practice their craft so, so diligently. And, uh, and why is he willing to be into that? Because he, he, it's the compelling vision. You know, we want to beat those guys. We want to get to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, are, you know, are you willing to change, um, in, in both Stanley and, and, uh, Cotter talk about this Cotter, one of, one of the first things that he says about, uh, about leading change and his is more about change, but it's still a compelling vision. Uh, Cotter says that, you know, does it solve a problem? See, if it doesn't solve a problem and it's not an emergency enough, people are not going to change. And that does affect how our core team works because people can be in there and if they don't see the passion for, gosh, we really need to be making disciples, if they don't see that, if they don't see it as a problem, they just, they will not get moving. They, it, will not, it won't get them off their, their couch. Um, you know, and somehow, uh, yeah, you know, some guys in pro sports, you know, they're, they're making money and that, that's all they're doing. Uh, but it really is, if you've ever been on a team that has worked well, and it's and people really are committed to it, man. It's it, it, it's I mean it's a joy, it's a joy to go to practice. It's a joy to go get the stuff done. Um, so the, the other thing that I would say, just about a, a compelling vision, and uh, I was uh, in my early days when I was with Young Life, we had a new process we had that headquarters was kind of telling us, hey, you need to do this with all your committees. We'd have adult committees that helped us raise funds and kind of organize stuff. And um, so <laughs> I, I was, you know, as dutiful young staff guy, I was just out of college and I, okay, this is what we need to do. So I kind of go to the people and say, hey, this is what we need to do. And I thought, okay, well that, hey, I got the information out, like, hey, we're done. And I remember walking away from the meeting going like, Man, I just got my lunch handed to me, man. Like, I don't know what I did. I think a buzzsaw created. And um, I had had time to read the, you know, kind of read the information, kind of know what was going on. So I had had time. And so it, during that time, uh, my mentor, Tom Hammond, kind of pushed me this this uh, article. I still, I, don't, I cannot find it. I've looked all over the internet for it. But it was from World, the guy, the president of World Vision. And he talked about the golden ball rule. And the golden ball rule says, you know, you can have the most beautiful, you know, orb of gold. Uh, but unless you give people time to figure it out and wrap their head around the vision or the idea, uh, you're not going to get anywhere. 
So, you know, I thought I was going to walk into that committee meeting, kind of hand them the thing, and they're all going to sign the stuff, and they're going to be like, yay, this is great. Well, it, it, it really took months, kind of months of saying, well, hey, this is, this is why we're doing it. Uh, so, you know, the last thing in a compelling vision, you have to give people time to wrestle through it and get buy-in, and that, that just takes time. It takes a lot of conversations, and unfortunately, it takes a lot of these you know, if we lead just by the pen, you know, or what's on the bulletin board or what's on the slides, people don't do it. They, they just don't. So it takes a lot of personal time to, to talk it through with folks. And we have to give them time to figure it out and to see why it really does solve a problem, why it's so important. We are all absolutely committed to disciple making, you know, and I scratch my head even in my own church, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we're half the staff, are just, they're just playing church. You know, they're just, hey, let's have a really good service. And we have a really good service. And it does impact folks. But we know that it's like, oh, my gosh, we're missing such a huge piece. Uh, so that, that compelling vision is, is critical. I want to stop here. Just any questions that you might have or thoughts, additions. You pro somebody probably has something that they've really thought through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. You know, I was playing sports and stuff. And I've, I've, I've often wondered why the church doesn't celebrate. You know, I'm an evangelist and I was thinking about how he's talking about sharing the gospel. Yes. We'll come back and talk about how people give their life to Christ. You know, we, we have these divine appointments. And it's like, that's great. You know, that's, that's like even staff members, you know what I mean? And, and I don't want to say it's because of a lack of understand this is scripture, they understand, you know, yes, they may disobey Christ, or they, but it doesn't mean they don't agree with that yeah. you know, or understand it. So yeah. I just was hoping maybe you'd speak to that part of it in the team where, you know, something, success has happened, but it's like, oh, great, you know what I mean? Like, nobody yeah. really, that's, I hear people say, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't correlate with what just happened, you know, you yeah. see some believer that's stepped into discipleship. Why we don't celebrate or what holds us back yeah, from celebrating. We may have a vision, but is it that our vision isn't compelling with, uh, in a core team? Like, here's our purpose, and then we see success, but, but there's, like, no celebration. There's no momentum. Yes. Nothing from that. Is yeah. What maybe is lacking? Is it yeah, what, uh, so what is uh, lacking when people aren't, when they're not cheering each other, sort of like the image of the, you know, the team scoring the, you know, the winning bucket or whatever. Yeah, the guy who goes back yeah. to the bench uh, and is like, whatever, I got my 50000 today, you know, versus the team that's like yeah. running down to the sideline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Trip and fall and don't, don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of it is these things, these personality conflicts. You know, sometimes I'm just, I'm just plain old jealous from somebody else. Somebody else has won and I haven't. And, that, and that, that's shame on me. Uh, but it, it, but it is, it's learning. And, and Andy Stanley talks about it in the book. You know, people do what you, what you celebrate. And if you continue to celebrate those things, uh, people will begin to take the right steps forward. Do you think that that, that comes some, that 
culture is not doing those things? Yes. Does it help to create that culture there? Yes. Yeah, and so, you know, part of living out the vision, and that's kind of the next section, I mean, really is, if the leaders don't personally embrace it, Cotter says this, and Stanley, they both say this, <laughs> Stanley from a, from a, you know, biblical standpoint, and Cotter, just, he's just a secular guy, he's like, hey, if, if the leaders don't embrace the vision, if they don't do it, uh, it, it just, it, it's not going to happen, people will realize what's the game, and oh, well, Senior pastor doesn't, he's not really into evangelism. Well, then I'm not either. And, and I think that's, that's the real challenge is how do we get everybody uh, to figure out w- what are the key things that we're really going after and, and how can we do those together? And that, that, takes, that takes leadership on our end. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, 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 right over here. That's the motivational everyone on the Browns team that yeah. winning the Super Bowl is the greatest thing yes. ever. You don't have to convince them of that, but you have to convince them of what it takes to do that. Yeah, right? yes. The Lombardi principle. Like yeah, yep. You, you have to, and that's the, I think that's the, that's the point. Do you think the there might be a lack of ownership in that, in the, in the motivational part of it? Like, you got to speak directly to some people sometimes, maybe. Well, you, you have to, and, and if, if you're not willing to, to personally embrace the vision uh, as a leader, as a leader, you won't be able to sell it to other people. And, and, they, and, and if they don't see it in you, and it doesn't mean that as a leader you have to have everything together, but there has to be that great sense of humility to say, you know, I don't have it all together, but man, by faith I'm moving that way. And uh, yeah, and not all personality styles are motivated the same way. I think that's a that's yes. one thing that I see yeah. In, yeah. in churches and and is a struggle of my own is that you know you take a disc profile and, and those different people, those different styles, those people are motivated in different ways. Yes. And a lot of times we try to take a one size fits all motivational yeah. approach, and I think that's why the, that's what the core team really speaks to. Yeah, is that if you kind of bring that diverse group together, yes. you begin to find out what, how we can motivate each other, then that diversity goes out into the congregation, you know, as a, yeah. you know, to yeah. help motivate. Yeah, right here. So could I speak to the, the football analogy? Yes, 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 yeah. So here was, here was one of the things that, that I learned the hard way. So, I, so I'm from Dayton, so I'm a Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, I knew I, I knew I recognized yeah. you. You were in the meeting the other day, man. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You're a Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm I'm allowed to arouse on the Browns. Just you are. You definitely are. Definitely are. So Please do. If you know anything about the Browns, they were great in the '80s, the '90s. They were okay, and then the wheels fell off. So Bill Belichick, the coach of the Patriots, was the coach of the Browns. Yeah. Their assistant coach was Nick Saban. They couldn't get it done. The team left Cleveland. The team came back. They, I, I think I understand. I think I was told that like in five years they had like sixteen different starting quarterbacks. They, they had, they had six coaches in eight years. Like, and, and y'all see, y'all see what's going on right now. Baker yes. Mayfield is no longer allowed to practice with the team because they're going to get rid of him. Not Baker Mayfield, but Odell. Od- o- Odell back. Yeah, yeah. It's the same story. So here's the problem with Cleveland and this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll say it because the same thing is true in Cincinnati. Yeah. Sometimes we have a – Drucker says this. 
culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yes, 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 yes. Sometimes we think that we have a strategic problem when we have a cultural problem. Yeah. And so the Browns thought, if we just get a new coach and just get a new team, like literally a new team, just get a new stadium, just get a new quarterback. And so this is what, this is the mistake I made as a senior pastor. Like I went in and it failed the first year. So I'm like, oh, my strategy must not have been good. So I bring back a new strategy that fails. Oh, wait a minute. Let me find another strategy. And, and what, I, what I failed to do is I failed to address the deep seated cultural things that are below the surface. If we look at disciple making, and I'm not sure if this was, was said yesterday or if I, I picked this up from, I, I picked this up yesterday in a podcast. If you, look at, if you look at the time of Jesus, there's two things that work. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the sufficiency of scripture. If those two things aren't working, it has to be cultural on our part. And too many times I think that we, we're just like, well, we just need a new strategy and we create a new strategy within the same culture. Um, and so I just don't want us to, so as, as I was thinking about that, as you were sharing, just this whole idea of not underestimating the importance of, of building the culture, taking the time, getting people on board, those face-to-face -face conversations, explaining the vision, celebrating the wins, doing all those things rather than just, okay, what is our quote unquote strategy for disciple making. Yeah, yeah, so, so the, the quote at the end of the chapter of the uh, handout, it's one, it's very good, because it, it does uh, hit on this whole thing. If you've read any of the books of the challenges that the church has found, uh, Scott McKnight and Laura Barrington, I think her name is, wrote a, a Church of Tove. And in the Church of Tove, they, they have some really good stuff about culture. Uh, and if, if you don't realize the culture, and, and clearly, uh, you know, for so many years, the Browns have had a culture issue. And you hear that on, on football teams a lot, but it's, it's all over. And so um, let me find the uh, quote here. It's the very last. Uh, and it's by David Brooks. And I, and I absolutely loved it. Let me, uh, he says, you know, never underestimate, and, and uh, this is what we're talking about, never underestimate the power of the environment to gradually transform who you are. And uh, the author was talking about her experience at a church um, and how it was really toxic. And she obviously did not want to be toxic, but she found herself beginning to react and act the way that everybody was acting. And this is the huge challenge for us in our core teams because we're going to have lots of battles uh, we have to provide feedback, and we got to solve the relational tensions that are just going to be there. And we all have them, okay? Uh, and David Brooks says, uh, and this is, this is a very good statement and a, and a hard statement, because if you do establish the culture the right way, right? You know, for years, the Pats just needed to show up to the game, and they were, they were going to pull it off somehow. Uh, and... You know, I, I could usually guarantee that my Browns were going to, you know, uh, about middle of the fourth quarter, if they're even in the game, I, they're going to find some crazy way to lose to the Steelers again. And, uh, but I think it's, it's if we have a compelling vision, if we really begin to up our, you know, our emotional IQ, and we begin to figure out like, hey, who am I and who are they, uh, I, 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 we can begin to have a sense that we're building the right culture the right way. The way we treat each other, uh, you know, we, 
Uh, we don't provide feedback, negative feedback uh, only, right? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> what time are we? Are we almost at nine? Yeah. yeah. So what, let me give you a, a reminder of, of positive feedback, and I, I will be here for a bit. So um, I was, uh, I had just come into the Navigators, and my, my boss was a guy named Bill Mowry and uh, wrote the Alongsider, and we were doing this process. And I was brand new. I, I mean, I'd been in ministry most of my life, but I, I didn't know this process. So um, I remember the first time that I had to present in front of him, and I'm kind of like nervous because it was his baby that he kind of wrote, and I'm doing it in front of hit some of his pastors. And I get finished, and I'm walking to my seat, and in, in the back, he's sitting right there where Ron Ortley's sitting right back there. And as I'm going to sit down, Bill mouths the word, and I knew what he was saying. He just says, and I knew what he was saying. Good job. Okay, you know, at, at that point in time, you know, I was 50 years old, and I'm walking back to my seat going, oh, man, I mean, that, just, that just feels good. Thank you. Gosh. Uh, the positive feedback that we need to get and give is absolutely vital. You know, if, if, if all I'm doing is giving you negative criticism and not working to remember what, what the person actually did right, that, that eventually will just wear people down. And they'll just be like, you know, I'm out. I'm out. Like, like I, I'm just tired of, of never getting it right. Uh, and here I am, a 50-year-old, walking back to the table, and I feel like that, I'm that kid who, you know, in second grade raised his hand and got the math problem right, and you kind of go, I got it right. So, yes, right here. Yeah. Like, uh, what, what you're talking about is like, um, like having bite-sized wins. Yes. Like um, saying we're going to win the Super Bowl Yes. It makes all the sense in the world. Every team wants to do that. Saying I want to make a disciple-making culture that's what every church wants. Yes. But having defined wins along the way, I mean, the way that you get a team that can tackle is, is that you, you know, you have a, a percentage of, of <laughs> yes. plays that where you're, you know, influencing yeah. the quarterback. Yeah. You're, you know. Yeah. And so you you take that down to bite-sized places where you can say, this is how we make that disciple-making culture that we um, include uh, a way for, yeah. for people to take this curriculum to someone else, and the win is when that person starts to own yeah. the curriculum themselves. That's exactly, um, yeah. You know, yeah. making it more bite-sized yeah. in, in the way that you... It, anybody who's ever run a marathon, uh, the way you do it, you, you, you just win one mile at a time. I mean, that's all you do. And uh, and, and I think just just keep moving and, and doing that. So, hey, it's been great to be with you. I'm going to stick around, and we'll continue the conversation. Derek is going to be in the back. We have a book that if you would like a copy of this, uh, Justin wrote this about the foundations of a disciple-making culture, and it's all about building a core team, which is critical for us. That's sort of been what we've been talking about uh, you know, while we're brain here. So Derek is back there, and he'll hand you a coupon. You can go to our table and, and get one of these copies. So great to be with you. If we can help you in any way, please let us know. Hey, thanks so much for listening, y'all. I hope this episode encouraged you. And I hope that you will click subscribe if you haven't already to this channel, because I would love to have you as one of our regular listeners. And I hope that you'll be able to use discipleship.org as a resource for you as you become a better disciple maker. Next up, we get the fourth and final track session from Navigators, so make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, y'all, have a great day, and thanks for listening.